a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. That knot of war seems to be being cinched ever tighter as Russia continues to ratchet up the tension in Ukraine. As we try to assess all of that today, do we need to be looking at the messages President Putin is sending or messages that he sent in the past? Are there patterns? Are there things that we should be watching for, Uh, things that we might have learned back in 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea? How can all of that help us get past the headlines of the day and actually get into the heart of the issue and where we go next? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're very pleased to have joining us on the program now, Charlotte Lawson. She's a reporter for our friends over at The Dispatch. Had a great piece uh, this morning talking about the guessing game at the brink of war as it relates to Vladimir Putin and the West uh, and dealing with things on the Ukraine. Of course, we're monitoring closely all the developments as we roll through the day today. The president is expected to uh, address the country, give an update on Russia and Ukraine at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. here locally. We'll take that live when it comes. Uh, Charlotte, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, So as you continue to follow this, uh, maybe just give me a a quick assessment first, and I want to dive into some of the uh, components to your piece that I think were really insightful. But uh, just from what you're hearing kind of up to the minute, what what updates uh, do you think we have there? course. So what we're seeing play out right now is really just an uptick in what we've been seeing for months. Um, And that's just a really concerted, targeted disinformation campaign by Russia to kind of reframe the Ukrainians and NATO as the aggressors in this conflict. So even in the last few hours, we've seen evidence that Moscow is creating a so-called false flag, essentially a pretext to justify an intervention in eastern Ukraine. What we've been seeing today is that one of the Russian-backed rebel groups has actually begun to evacuate its civilians, and that's on the ground that Ukraine's planning on launching this offensive, which just isn't true. The Ukrainian side is actually under strict orders not to return fire, but this is the kind of thing that Putin might use to kind of retroactively justify an invasion. Yeah, we've been watching for the uh, kind of the false flag and and, uh, this kind of disinformation campaign throughout. And one of the things that I thought was very fascinating in in your reporting on the dispatch today was talking about this new approach that the the U.S. and the West has taken. President uh, Biden and and Secretary uh, Blinken have been very explicit in terms of calling things out, kind of throwing everything out uh, uh, in advance. This is definitely a new strategy. Usually you'd take that intel and you'd you'd keep it and hide it and and then try to use it. Uh, Now it's like we're putting every spaghetti against the wall, all of it out there. is it having an effect? If uh, if so, what is that? Yeah, it's hard to tell, but you're right. This is almost an entirely new strategy. We did not see this in 2014, where a lot of the intel was actually kept 
strictly underground. A lot of people in the government didn't even know exactly what was unfolding. But basically every step of the way since November, we've seen Ned Price, Blinken, lay out all of these different scenarios, all of these different plans that Putin might have in mind. And if that's not forcing him to change those plans, it's at least forcing him to delay. So that's been one thing to watch. I think we might see more of that from Biden today. But Secretary of State Blinken in front of the UN Security Council yesterday laid out very specific false flags that Russia might use. And basically both undercuts planning and it also kind of damages the believability of any pretext they might have. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting thing to, to put all of those out there. And, and you noted in your piece, uh, one of the potential downsides to that is as we lay out all of this information and these false flags and pretexts and, and what might happen next, uh, and if it does cause Vladimir Putin to delay or change his tactics, uh, there is the potential that it will undermine the confidence in our own intelligence. Uh, how are you seeing that play out? That's definitely the concern. And I think that's, you know, where the administration has kind of been explicit in saying, look, we're happy to be proven wrong. If Putin doesn't seize on these various false flags and pretexts and he does not escalate the situation in Ukraine, that would be great. And a lot of that, you know, change of plan would probably be in response to this strategy. I don't think a lot of people realize that, though. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out. But One of my sources, John Seifer, one of the big points he made is this is kind of uncharted territory. You know, U.S. intel is usually very good, but it's also usually very private. So it'll be interesting to see if it does lead to a de-escalation. Anything else that you're following, Charlotte, uh, as we kind of move through the day? We know the president is, uh, is meeting behind closed doors uh, with uh, NATO allies, having conversations there. Uh, again, he'll address the nation at uh, 2 o'clock Utah time, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern time. Is there anything else or any other indicators that you're watching for? You mentioned some of these uh, eastern provinces where, again, potential false flag things are happening. What else are, what else are you monitoring and watching today? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Definitely a lot to keep in the radar. I think a big thing we've been trying to pay attention to is these cyber incursions. Um, Western intelligence has said for months that any actual ground invasion of Ukraine will be preceded by cyber attacks. And we saw a few this week. Actually, we saw one of the most powerful attacks that the country has seen um, targeting various government and bank websites. So I would keep an eye on that, definitely. Yeah. And then, of course, ultimately, we know it's very hard to predict what Vladimir Putin <laughs> will do. Uh, but anything that's kind of tipping you off there or anything else that you're following in terms of trying to predict, I think that's the, the challenge for everyone is is what is really going on in that very inner, inner circle. Uh, and that inner circle may be a circle of one, uh, oftentimes, with Vladimir Putin. It's definitely hard to predict, and it's difficult to predict by design. Um like John Seifer, he headed the CIA's Russia operation, said in the story, Putin is former KGB, he's a master of deception, and he likes to keep the West on his toes. So that's why over the last week we, you know, saw this sort of de-escalation, and then we saw this onslaught of cyber attacks at the same time. So it'll be hard to tell, I would say. Pay attention to Putin's rhetoric. Last week he described the situation in eastern Ukraine as a genocide, which is very concerning from most Russia watchers' point of view because very similar language was invoked in 2014. Mm, absolutely. And then final question for you, Charlotte, as we 
look at the uh, the NATO allies, of course, that conversation happening with uh, President Biden. Uh, are there any uh, cracks in that uh, alliance or do things seem to be galvanizing early on? There was sort of a question about how Germany was going to play this, knowing their dependence on Russian oil and natural gas. Uh, they seem to have kind of moved back into the fold a little stronger. Uh, anything you're seeing there in terms of the uh, the West? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think the beginning was obviously very shaky in terms of, you know, putting up a united NATO front. It seems like they've kind of galvanized around at least some sort of retaliatory sanctions. Um, we've obviously seen the eastern flank of NATO be fortified. So it'll be interesting to see if those efforts continue. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if NATO allies individually continue to arm Ukraine, because I think at this point, that's one of the biggest steps they can take to kind of up the cost of invasion for Putin. Mm, great insight, as always. Uh, Charlotte Lawson is a reporter for our friends over at The Dispatch. Uh, Charlotte, thanks for joining us on a Friday. We'll continue to monitor this closely. Thanks so much for having me. So we're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer as it relates to Ukraine and Russia. We know that uh, we have confirmation that uh, what we long suspected, the cyber attacks from earlier in the week, were clearly done and taken out, taken care of by Russia. We also know that this pro-Russia region uh, has been telling people there to evacuate to Russia as part of this false flag narrative. We also know that the State Department has been saying that the blown-up vehicle in Donetsk uh, is a false flag operation also uh, being coordinated out of Russia as well. So there's so many things to break down and think through as we look at where we are. More importantly, what comes next? The president will be speaking in about an hour, and we'll bring all of that to you as we stay with the conversation on an important international day here on Inside Sources. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... You'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.